Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, where we answer your questions and offer solutions about business and career to help you unlock your potential. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy himself, Michael Whitehouse. Hello, it's great to have you with us. I'm sure you've heard the expression, building a business or entrepreneurship is like jumping off a cliff and building an airplane on the way down. And that certainly describes the second season here of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. we got a lot of ideas, a lot of things we're working with, working out some technical details, working out some uh, some process and structure and all kinds of things that we're, we're figuring out. And what's uh, exciting about it is I know what's coming because I've recorded some of the content for two, three episodes out. And what's frustrating is that sometimes the interviews we've done were in a previous format. Uh, so the interview that I have coming up with Kevin Booker, which is fantastic, he's got great information, and uh, he, he gives, he's going to teach you some really awesome stuff. It's very exciting. Uh, you're going to love it. But uh, originally I had this strict concept of I wanted to just do Q&A. People would send us questions and we'd get answers. So when I'd guest on, they would help me answer the questions, and that would be the way it would be. And then I realized that, that that's not necessarily what's best. We certainly do want your questions, or we're going to be answering them. But when I have a guest on, they often have something to tell that's more narrative than simply answering your questions. So with Kevin, he is going to be answering a series of questions, and you're going to learn a lot from him. Totally worth listening. But uh, listen in the next few weeks, and we're going to be really tightening up the production and the sound. Um, I got a new microphone, and I'm recording this on right now. And I think you're really going to see some great improvement. So... Enjoy this interview with Kevin Booker. It's going to be fantastic. And then enjoy next week and the week after. It's going to be even more amazing. We've got David Haberfeld coming back in the next episode. Uh, and we have a, uh, a marketing expert coming in the, the week after that and all kinds of other great stuff. We're going to have some of my clients coming on sharing their stories in little segments. So lots of good stuff. Definitely stay tuned. And if you're not subscribed to my email list where I'll be announcing when these podcasts drop, please do so at guywhonowsaguy.com slash subscribe. So hop on over there and subscribe while you're listening to this great interview. And by the way, if you do that, you get an automatic email sequence when you subscribe. And one of those emails gives you a free digital copy of the Guy Who Knows a Guy book. So you can get a free copy of my book just for subscribing to the email list. What a deal. So go sign up for that. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy this fantastic interview. Kevin Booker has so many great things to say. Hey, Kevin, great to have you on the show. Um, so what's, what's new with uh, Booker Empowerment? How are you changing the world today? Uh, Michael, uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you so much for having me on your show. It's exciting. I love being, you know, I love your voice and I love what you have to offer. Um, with Booker Empowerment right now, um, I'm actually doing training for law enforcement. I'm doing training for colleges, organizations, and companies as well. And it's just really exciting. It's exciting times because due to the racial injustices that we are seeing and occurring throughout the nation. Also, many companies and organizations and law enforcement, um, they're also interested in having training done. 
So making sure that we can move forward in a positive direction. So I'm seeing all different sectors are reaching out um, to my company and also other companies as well to make sure that their, their employees are culturally competent enough to deal with other people of different yeah, and cultures that, and different backgrounds. And, and that's a great thing because because it's, it's so good they're not just digging their heels in and saying, well, we're, we're, we're not going to deal with this. They're actually saying there is a problem. We need a solution. Hey, Kevin, come in here and bring us that solution. Correct. And that's and, and, and I would say, let's say five years ago, I wasn't receiving those phone calls as much. Um, but now I'm beginning to see those phone calls come in and they're, and they're reaching out to me before I would have to reach out to them. That's great. Um, and that to me shows that, you know, there's some progress. Of course, we have a lot more to work on, but, at, you know, you're, I'm beginning to see some of that progress that I typically wouldn't have seen two years ago or five years ago. So to me, that, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. And that's one of those silver lining things where, you know, 2020 has been a challenging year for a lot of people, but there's also been a lot of opportunities, a lot of change. Yeah, when, when things are changing, that's when the opportunity is the biggest. Absolutely. Um, and I think sometimes... Um, you know, we have to take it in because, you know, we want change to happen rapidly, but a lot of times it doesn't happen when we want it to happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's when I think about my model, you know, we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable because sometimes we have to realize that if we're continually doing the same thing over and over, um, we have to also reflect and say, okay, what can I change and how can I become a better version of myself? Because if I'm working on myself as well, then I'm able to also contribute to things that are changing around me. But if you're continually doing the same thing, then sometimes you can't even see how things are changing around you. Yep. So it's important to always surround yourself around people who hold you accountable and also try to have an open mind as well. Yeah. You, so I love that you shared your motto is get comfortable being uncomfortable and, and that continuous improvement. I was actually just writing an article recently uh, mm -hmm. about how karate encourages uh, striving for excellence. And so often our lives, we strive for good enough and it's important to have that, but, but sort of what does that motto mean to you and how do you, how do you adopt that motto? You know, how did you adopt that motto for your life? You know, that's an interesting question. You just mentioned karate and right now I'm actually training to become a yoga instructor. And, um, you know, a person like myself, for example, let's say even, Six months ago, I wasn't an avid yogi, as, as you would say. And, and now I'm actually entering a new dimension, is what I would call it, where it's something new that I'm learning. You know, oh my gosh, I got to do this new pose called crow, and I got to do ego, and I have to do child's pose and ragdoll. But I'm challenging my body. But also what's interesting is that spiritually, I'm challenging myself not to get comfortable you know, with, with the same way of doing things that I have always done. So I love it because I'm entering into a new phase of my life, which is also allowing myself to push forward. I'm also able to, to show my students that you never get to a point where you just have to stay comfortable. You know, it's good to transform yourself and try something new because you develop into a better person. And by doing this, I had a exercise that I had to do this past weekend, which was really fascinating. You had to pick three songs, three songs that resonate with you, three songs that also were songs that when you listen to the songs that remind you of pain that in suffering that you went through. 
So you could reflect on those songs and say to yourself that, whoa, okay, those songs bring back those memories of things that I had to overcome. And, and how do they actually affect those memories? How do they affect me today as a person? So when I actually went through this activity for my yoga class, um, it made me aware that I've come a long way, but I still have a long way to go and continue to grow and develop into a better person. Because sometimes it's important to reflect, to know where you're going, and also to know where you're coming from as well. Yeah, that that's huge. And actually, it's funny. I wrote something very much like that in the article about uh, karate saying that when you're striving for perfection, you're never there. And right. sometimes in our goal-oriented culture, that's frustrating. Like, what do you mean I'm never there? Yeah. Well, I hit the goal. <laughs> yeah. But but instead of, of you win and lose, because if you lose, you're going to be frustrated anyway. Right. Instead of win and lose, you have you know you can look back and say, wow, I've come this far. And look forward and say, I've got so much further to go. I'm never going to be done. How exciting is that, that I'm never going to run out of things to do? Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's so interesting that you bring that up, Michael, because sometimes it's just it's very it's very challenging to try something new. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for example, in my yoga class, we have to do a headstand and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I don't want to do the headstand sometimes because what I don't want a neck injury or what if I do it the wrong way? You know, we begin to have doubt in our minds that we can't accomplish something without even trying it. And when I realized, you know, just a couple days ago, by just trying and 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 learn and trusting myself that I am capable of doing something new, allowed me to finally complete a headstand, and that was really re- it was it was such a relief for me because I said to myself, even though I did it once, I said, you know what, I accomplished something that I thought I could not do. So I now I know I could do more. So and that's why when I think about my model, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. In many situations, we have to continue challenging ourselves in different realms and different arenas so that we can push ourselves. Because in the long run, when you're pushing yourself, you're also encouraging yourself to be a better version of yourself and also family members, friends, Mm -hmm. community people around you as well, because they're watching you. So by you being an example, you're also helping others in the process that you love and care about. So speaking of helping others, you want to take some questions and see if we can provide some answers? Yeah, absolutely. I would love it. Right. Great. So the, the first question we have here today, uh, we have a question from Bill from Albany. Mm-hmm. He says, I have a decent job and it's stable, but it doesn't satisfy me. I feel mm-hmm. stuck. I know I should be grateful to have a job with all this going on, but I wonder if there's more out there uh, for me somehow. What should I do? So he said he feels stuck with with his job. So the first thing I would do is, since he has a job at this point, um, always make sure you maintain your income. Mm -hmm. You and I both know it's, you know, sometimes it can be very challenging to find um, a new form of employment. Yep. Um, But what I would do... I made that mistake myself. (laughs) Yeah, and I made that mistake myself as well, right? So... But in the process, we have to start thinking about what are we passionate about? And passion is extremely important. And then the next step I would think about what I would do if I was him is begin to think about your passion. But also we have what we call LinkedIn. And by having LinkedIn and a a couple other social media outlets, you can begin to connect with others who are in professions that you may be interested in. 
And by doing that, you can actually get to know other people and, and then say, hey, I would like to, is, is it possible we can have a cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. And sit down with them and ask them some questions about their job and how do they get into their profession? And also, that's a great way to also meet people, network with them, because yep. your network is your net worth. And by doing that, you're building your network. You're also building, you know, a, a, a pool of people who you can connect with. And then on top of that, you can also find out when you have that little bit of extra time throughout your week. So if you're working a nine to five or you're working second shift, you can figure out, OK, you know what? Maybe I could put two to two hours or five hours aside a week and I can intern for this company or this organization. I can also meet other people in the process. And then I can also get a get a better feeling of what that position is that I'm looking forward to. And another thing I would do, too, is to get involved with like maybe learning about different jobs. Try to think about different organizations that you would like to be a member of. And then you can meet people that way and learn about different positions and companies that are hiring as well. So those networking tools will allow you to develop into a better you and also find your passion and develop into the person that you are destined to become. That's the advice I would have for that person. And and I I love the fact that but what you said actually reflects a lot of the chapter in my book, The Guy Knows a Guy, about networking your way to a job, which was somewhat similar to what you said in terms of reaching out to people in the industry, getting a cup of coffee with them, connecting with them. Um, and, and the big thing I'd, I'd add here as well is I think a lot of people, you know, gratitude is always a good thing. But I think yes. some people kind of fall into a gratitude trap of when their friends say, well, well, you should just be lucky you have a job because I, I got laid off. And <laughs> and so you, you shouldn't even be, you know, so ungrateful as to be looking for something new. But just because you have a job doesn't mean you're in the right place. It mm. just means you can eat. So take advantage of it, but still don't don't stifle your future out of this misplaced sense of gratitude to to the employer who is so generous as to employ you because Absolutely. they're getting something out of it too. And just just to add on to that, I like the fact that you brought up gratitude. Um, I think another thing what I would do as well is follow up anytime you meet with someone, whether rather if you meet them over through social media mm-hmm. or you meet them through an organization or um, you just reach out to someone based off of just asking questions or whatever it may be, always follow up with just a thank you. Yep. Um, you know, thank them by email, send them a message, a phone call, um, because that's extremely important. Mm-hmm. People want you know, that feeling of, you know, I, I remember my mom used to tell me when I was a child, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. So when you follow up, with that sense of gratitude and, you know, you're showing that you're very thankful for just taking time out of their day. That makes people say to themselves, you know what? I really want to help that person. And you're being genuine about it. And that's extremely important because you're putting yourself in their shoes. So I would highly recommend that always follow up with just a thank you. Yeah, that's huge. Email, even if you can do it the old fashioned way, if you have the time, write a card, send a card, a letter. Um, just as, and put it in the mail and just say, thank you. I really appreciate you taking that time because as we know, especially as we're getting older, time is something you can never get back. Yep. Yeah. Thank you notes are great. Cause how many, you know, I don't know about you. I, I, I haven't gotten a thank you note in the mail and I think I may have gotten one three months ago. All right. 
and, and definitely do, do as I say and do as you say, not as not as I do, because right. <laughs> it's something I, I don't always remember to do. But yeah, the, the power of it, especially if you're at the at the stage of trying to get advice from people, you don't necessarily have something to give them. You right. can give them your gratitude. That's right. how you can repay them. Yeah. And, it, so and, it's then gonna... and then you're doing something that, um, you know, I remember when someone said to me, success is was when you do something that others will not do. Ah, there you go. So when you really think about it, most people in the world, you know, would rather just say, okay, I'll send this email. And that takes a few seconds. But how many people in today's society will actually sit down, go home, or wherever they are, in a coffee shop, wherever, wherever they are, and they take the time and just say, I'm going to write this thank you card or this yep. thank you letter. And imagine receiving that in the mail, and how mm-hmm. does it make you feel? Yep. Yep, that's, that's a great thing. So our next question, uh, we have Samantha from Smith College. Oh. She says, I'm about to graduate from college with my teaching degree. Uh, I don't want to be a good teacher. I want to be a great one. Mm. What haven't I learned in college that I should know? thought this would be a great question for you, Kevin. Absolutely. It's, I've been a teacher now, an educator for, geez, over 20 years, and I've worked in um, various sectors from the community college level, state college, private college. Geez, I was a middle school teacher, high school teacher. So, you know, education has been my entire life. Um, and I have four college degrees now. Mm-hmm. So, I've been acquired. so education is something I've committed myself to completely. And the advice I would have for her that they never teach you is go beyond the classroom, going beyond the classroom. Now, what exactly does that mean? Is when you think about going beyond the classroom, when, when you look at disparities that exist in education. So within a state of Connecticut, we have 169 municipalities and 153 are predominantly white. And majority of those municipalities are very wealthy. And you have 16 municipalities where people who have been historically disenfranchised live. So, and you have inequality that exists within those municipalities, especially in an education. So going beyond the classroom is saying, you know, it's a Saturday morning, reaching out to those parents and saying, you know what, I would like to meet with Jimmy and Sarah, and you can come along as well because we want to really work on their reading and reach out to your college as well. And then maybe bring in some of those tutors so that those students, when they finish seventh, eighth grade, sixth grade, fifth grade, fourth grade, they're able to read on grade level. Um, and, And because of the fact that those inequalities and that disparity exists, it's going beyond the classroom. Another thing I would recommend too is when you're in as a teacher and they never teach you this, get to know the community. Get to know mm-hmm. exactly the history of the community. How did the community become the way it is? Learn the dynamics, the historical dynamics of the city. How did the racial makeup become the way it is within that town or that city as well? Um, those are things they never really teach you, but those are things that you can do on your own to become a better educator. And then you have a better communication with your students. And also, I would recommend that you learn two to three languages um, so that you can be able to reach out to your students on many levels. 
So by developing the language, you learn a little bit more different about the different cultures, you learn about the communities, you become immersed. And then you start learning about what are some of the needs that they need and how can you meet those needs as well? And how can you find resources? So those are some a few suggestions that I would recommend. Those are some great suggestions. And uh, yeah, you definitely yeah, going going above and beyond, and also becoming that teacher who they remember um, as you know that teacher who changed their life back in third grade because they cared. Right. I think that's, because, that's a huge thing. Because Michael, as you and I both know, um, in education. Um, the studies show that by the time a child gets to third grade, right, and let's exclude like race or anything at this point, right, but by the time a child, no matter where they're from, by the time a child gets to third grade, if they cannot read or write proficiently, studies have shown that, you know, they project that that child will probably have issues later on in life. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do and what we need to do as educators is make sure no matter where that child is from, their background, it doesn't matter, that we are providing an adequate education for them. So what does it mean as educators and as community members? We have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And what what that mean is we can't do it the traditional way that we have always done it. Um, Just, oh, I see little Jimmy there Monday through Friday. It's 7.30 until 3 o'clock or 3.30 or 4 o'clock. And school's over, we have to figure out ways how to meet them on the weekends, or we have to figure out ways how to make sure um, they're receiving the resources that they need. Make sure that family is also provided with the resources that they need as well. And those are things that are extremely important moving forward so that we can make sure we even out the playing field. All right. Well, yeah, that's a that's a definitely great answer. Hopefully it helps Samantha. Um, we'll be right back with some more questions in just a moment. I produce a lot of free content, and I want to make sure you get the benefit of it. There's three great ways to follow this content. First, subscribe to the email list, guywhoknowsaguy.com slash subscribe. Second, join the Facebook group. Look for Who Knows a Guy group on Facebook. And third, subscribe on YouTube youtube.guywhoknowsaguy.com will take you right there. Hit that subscribe button, hit the notification button, and be sure to get all the great content The Guy Who Knows a Guy has to offer to you. And now back to our interview with Kevin Booker. Hey, so our next question here is from Andre from Spokane, Washington. Uh, He says, in my business, it's very important for me to be able to speak in public, but I'm overwhelmed by stage fright. I see some people are very comfortable with it. How do they become so comfortable? Are they born speakers or do they have to work at it? And if so, what can I do to become like them? So, Kevin, I know you are quite a speaker. So were you born a great speaker or did you have to work at it? Well, I had to really work at work at becoming a great speaker. Um, it took it took a lot of practice, practice and practice. Um, I actually started speaking publicly when I was in the third grade, when there I was eight go. years old um, at Faith Congregational Church in Hartford, Connecticut. That was my first speaking engagement. I was in the Cub Scouts. Um and that led to, led to me saying to myself, wow, I really enjoy speaking in public. But it took a lot of practice for me to really craft a speech and feel confident enough as I got older um, in different arenas. So the advice I would have for that individual is there's an organization called Toastmasters. I would mm-hmm. highly recommend that you sign up online 
or a Toastmasters within your community or within your state, um, get definitely very familiar with them. Um, even online, they have Zoom calls and um, Zoom call meetings where you can practice as well um, with some of your speeches. Another thing I would recommend too is volunteer speaking at um, different organizations and schools who look for speakers, guest speakers um, to come in and share things about their life or their experience, um, their expertise. Um, take that minute where you can come in and speak to students or different uh, members of the community about who you are. Um, work on crafting a three minute to five minute speech, um, which I would call um, like that pitch, you know, your, your pitch and who you are and where you're from and what you do. Another thing I would offer too is take a class at a community college for a semester or two and where you can really work on being in a public speaking class. You can be around other individuals who, are, who have the same passion and desire that you have. And that is too expensive. And maybe sometimes um, even a Toastmasters and, and being a guest speaker, you can also create what I call your own public speaking club, where you can have individuals from your friend, your who are your friends, maybe people you work with, and I will call it your public speaking club accountability, accountability club. And you may meet once or twice a month. Maybe you work on speeches in your home. You can go to each other's homes and really work on developing speeches. And you can actually critique each other and call it a, a critical, um, constructive critique of your mm -hmm. speeches. And you can time each other. You can post videos and critique one another and give each other suggestions and advice. So those are some things that I would recommend. And it really just comes down to practice, practice, practice. That's it. Just getting up there. And I, I, I remember you'll, you'll laugh when you hear how I got started public speaking. I was a, uh, a member of a Rocky Horror Picture Show cast. Mm. And so I was up in front of an audience um, being ridiculous <laughs> once a week for three years. And you do it enough, then, you know, once you've done that, getting up in front of a Chamber of Commerce or a Toastmasters Club is nothing. That's right. So, yep. and, and our, our, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because, you know, and it's, it's nerve wracking in the beginning. And mm -hmm. when you, when you, like you said, you know, you have to practice, practice, practice. And another thing I would recommend too, and when you have to give a speech, exercise, take a walk, mm -hmm. um, or even meditate. Um, one of the things that I do before I give a speech as well, I do a breathing activity. Um, just a few minutes before I give the speech. So I'm not holding in all that anxiety and that yep. fear as well. And I release it before I give, I give my speech. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've, I've heard the, the power pose is also fairly effective. Yes. For priming your priming your mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. And placing yourself on a wall, positioning yourself so you can work on your posture. Mm -hmm. um, and also what I would recommend too is getting to the event um, 30 minutes to an hour and Definitely. knowing your audience is extremely important. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you can scope the event, you can analyze, you can really critique who's in the audience. You can look at the podium, you can look at the stage you have a better idea and you can visualize yourself and close your eyes and visualize yourself giving the speech. Um, that, that is also very beneficial. Yeah, that's huge. All right. Now our next question is from uh, Deirdre from North Carolina. 
And uh, I think this is this is a question right up your alley. Um, <laughs> they seem like says, they're all pretty much up my alley. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we do pick the questions for the for the yeah. guest host, but this one especially. Yeah. Um, she says, with everything we're seeing in the news, I feel powerless with what's going on. What can I, what can uh, we do to bring about real change in the United States when it comes to equity and access for all people? Mm. You know, as I said earlier in the show, like in the state of Connecticut, we have 169 municipalities and 153 municipalities in the state of Connecticut are predominantly white. And 100 and I mean, and 16 municipalities are where people of color are concentrated, people who have been historically disenfranchised. And when you think about why does that exist? You know, is is redlining. Um, there was white flight that existed from the 60s and the 70s when people who, is, who have been historically disenfranchised begin um, going into those communities when you have blacks leaving the South because of domestic terrorism things with an underemployment. They started going to the north. Um, Puerto Ricans who were leaving the island, they were moving to the north. And then a lot of realtors started only showing them certain communities and areas where some people who have who actually arrived earlier, and then those areas became populated with those certain ethnic groups, which meant also the tax bracket went down because of white flight. A lot of companies left with um, white individuals as well. So we know that discrimination existed based off of the New Deal that came to be during um, the Roosevelt era, because during the New Deal, um, only people who, who, the people who did not benefit from the New Deal were migrant workers and also um, people who worked in agriculture and domestic. So that was mainly people of color who actually worked in those fields who could not receive Social Security. And then during the GI Bill, yes, you had a lot of different cultures who fought during World War II, but many of those cultures were unable to benefit from the GI Bill. So that also led to discrimination in housing. So that comes to the question as to how can you work towards building and work towards, you know, anti-racism and also making sure that you become an equity broker is what I call it. And that that stems from, let's say, if you know a small business and it's a minority small business, go out, tell your friends, you know, it's a Friday, it's a Saturday. Um, We're going to go there to eat. That's another way of and then get the word out about that great business that you have visited. Post about that business as well. The customer service that you receive from there, the food, um, that's marketing which is also beneficial for those businesses. Another way how you can do it too, just within your own self. Um, When you think of education, earlier I was talking about, I mentioned volunteering. Um, Volunteering in in those communities who that you you notice when you look on the studies and you look in the the website, maybe they're below, their reading level is not as high as maybe in another community. You can say to yourself, you know what? I want to definitely um, take maybe a couple of hours out of my time. If I have the time, um, maybe I can volunteer in that third grade class or that second grade class um, and work with some of those students for a couple of hours. Um, another thing you can do, too, as well, advocate at the state level, making sure that minority businesses um, receive the fair share that they deserve when it comes to loans. Instead of giving a, a loan to a minority bank or I mean, a minority um, business, giving them a 15% increase in interest rate, 
Maybe you can really advocate for them to have a 3% interest rate. And then when you look at fair housing and affordable housing, many communities, especially communities that are predominantly white, do not have affordable housing. And that stems from a lot of systemic racism and oppression that has existed within our nation for decades. But and that what you can do in your community is begin to advocate for fair, affordable housing in your community, which also is beneficial for people in your community who may be predominantly white as well, because now they get exposed to people of different cultures, different backgrounds. And then you can also work on making sure those school systems are inclusive for all and create and chain, make sure there's training taking place within the school system when it comes to diversity training, microaggression training, not just in the schools, but also in your community because you're an agent of change. And those are the things that I would slowly start working on. And then the most important while you're working on this is self-development, which is reading books. And a couple books I'll share with you is one called Beyond Ally, The Pursuit of Racial Justice by Dr. Akbar. I would highly recommend that book. And another one is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And he also has a workbook, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And when you say to yourself, okay, why do I have to have that talk with my child? Um, what talk do I need to have with my white child? The talk you should have with your white child is how to be, how to be an anti-racist. How do we fight against racism in this country? And, how to, and giving them tips and ideas. And those tips and strategies come from the relationships that you build with different people and also the self-development that you're going to also push yourself to have by reading and educating yourself. And because I have to have those that talk with my children about how to keep your hands on the steering wheel when you get pulled over by the police. So if I'm having that talk, with how to avoid confrontation with a police officer who may discriminate, who may discriminate and may not, because not all police officers are bad. There are a lot of fantastic police officers out there. But the reality is, it's because of the system we live in, I have to have that talk with my child. I have to have that talk with my nephew. I have to have that talk with my student, who may be a person of color, about how to conduct themselves when they're around a police officer or someone in law enforcement. So the same talk you need to have with your, your, your child, your white child, or your family member is how do we work on becoming anti-racist? How do we work on becoming fighting for social justice within our communities? So that's, that's what I would do. And that's, uh, those are my words that I have and suggest for that individual. Well, those, uh, I, I thought you might have a pretty good answer for that question, and sure enough, you did. Uh, and of course, the, the information in those books will be in the show notes for anyone who wants to go find them on Amazon and check them out. Um, so thank you very much for, for being on the show and helping me answer some of these questions. It's been, you got some, some great information there, especially some of the information was, was uh, information I did not have, and some of it matched what's in my book exactly, which also I think makes great answers. So well, I appreciate you being on here. And Michael, I just want to say thank you very much for having me on your show. It is awesome. You know, I love the work you're doing. And um, just thanks, thanks again for everything. I appreciate you, Michael.
you have questions or problems that you'd like us to answer and take care of for you, every week I have a new exciting guest on with a different set of skills. So if you send in a question, I'll put it on the show, and I and that guest will take a crack at it and see if we can solve your problems, answer your questions, and make your life just a little bit better. Send an email to michael at guyhoknowsaguy.com. You can either send a text version of the question, or you can record a voice memo, and we'll actually put your voice on the air. michael at guyhoknowsaguy.com. Please send us your questions, because we would love to answer them. This is the last word for Michael Williams. Do you have an excuse for why you're not getting started? I get this a lot. You know, people don't have the education. I don't have the money. I don't have the website. I don't have the connections. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Or I can't yet because I've got this to worry about. I've got that to worry about. Well, for some of those things, that thing you're waiting for either is never going to come or just doesn't matter. Or in some cases, that reason why you think you can't get started is the reason why you must get started. Let me give you my example. We're moving into a house in a couple weeks. We need to prepare, we need to pack, we need to deal with the mortgage. There's so much to deal with, and I could easily say, well, I can't focus on my business full-time right now. We're about to move. Well, guess what? When we move, our expenses go up. Our mortgage is going to be higher than our rent was. So that's not just not a valid excuse for why I can't be working on my business. It is a reason why I must be working on my business. I have to take care of that. But let's talk about those other things. You don't have the connections, the money, the resources, whatever it might be. That's an excuse unless you're working on getting that thing. Anything you're doing is going to be a progression, one step to the next, to the next, to the next. So if right now you can't get started because you don't have the money, step one is get the money. What are you doing to do that? If you're waiting to win the lottery or get a raise or for for Uncle Joey to die and leave you money or to find a genie's lamp that you can rub and say, please give me money to start my business, it's not going to happen. And you're using it as an excuse. You're using an excuse to not get started because you say, well, I don't have to think about it right now. I can be lazy right now because I don't have the thing I need. I need to wait for it to magically appear. Guess what? It's not going to magically appear. Now, if you're saying I can't get started until I got my website done and your website is being worked on and will be done in two weeks, okay, kind of. It still shouldn't be an excuse. You should be working in parallel. What else can you do until you do that? But I've also run into people who say they they won't start promoting until they have their website up. Fine. How long has your website been in production? Three months. Wrong. Doesn't take three months to make a website. Either fire your web designer and get a new one, or make it yourself, or put up a, a placeholder site. Get started now. Because here's what happens when you wait for that thing. You wait for the website. You wait to have your program ready. You wait to have your ideal offering. You will discover when you get out in the world that the thing you were waiting for for so long was the wrong thing. I found this in my business. When I first started, I said, oh, people are going to want a curriculum. They're going to want deliverables. They're going to want to know what they're going to learn. So I took all this time to create a curriculum. I'm going to teach you these networking skills and these sales skills and these marketing skills. And guess what happened? I started coaching people and I taught the skills. They said, yeah, yeah, that's nice. But what I really need is, well, geez, I... It's a good thing I didn't wait to have that all in place to get started, because if I'd spent six months putting all this together and then discovered people actually wanted something else, I would have felt pretty silly. So whatever it is you're waiting for, just get out there. Start talking to customers, start making art, start building the website, whatever your next step is, just start doing it right now, today. Now is the time to do it, not later. Get started, start making the moves. 
You'll discover all those excuses, all those reasons you couldn't do it, suddenly vanish. All those excuses will suddenly go away. Oh, I didn't have the money. You suddenly discover you can make a website for 20 bucks. Oh, I didn't have the connections. You suddenly make a post on Facebook, discover you know five of the exact people you need. But just get started because you will be amazed, amazed at what happens when you just take the first step. I'm Michael Whitehouse, and that is my last word. This is the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with Michael Whitehouse. Technical advice and support by Patrick O'Chang of Black Orange Solutions. Segment introductions by Amy Whitehouse and Rowan Whitehouse. Our theme composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music was Bits and Bites by Klaus Appel from filmmusic.io. Find us on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. Questions can be submitted in written form or as an audio file to michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. You can also follow The Guy Who Knows a Guy on Facebook at facebook.com slash theguywhoknowsaguy. If you know someone who may enjoy this episode of this podcast, we welcome you to share links with them. This is Michael Whitehouse, The Guy Who Knows a Guy, reminding you that it's not what you know, it's who you know, and how much you're willing to help them. Here's an outtake you might enjoy. Okay, can you say this is the last word? This is the last word. You have to uncover your face, though. This is the last word. From Michael Whitehouse. From Michael Whitehouse. Okay, try one more time. This is the last word. This is the last word for Michael Whitehouse. One more time. This is the last word. This is the last word for Michael Whitehouse. And one more. Up close. This is the last word for Michael Whitehouse. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, jv-connect.com. That's jv connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.